The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. So let's take our Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 13. I'm going to remove my glasses so I can't see better, if that makes any sense. I can't see with them off, but I can't see with them on. And it just so happens, close up, I can see better. I cannot see better with them off than I cannot see with them on. So if that made any sense to you, I hope it did. made sense to me, I'll tell you that. Let's all stand, please, as we read from Acts chapter 13. And I'll begin reading at verse number 14, and we'll read through verse 23. But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch and Pisidia, and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and sat down. And after the reading of the law and the the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them, saying, Ye men and brethren, if ye have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. Now, that's the wrong thing to say in the presence of the Apostle Paul. You never want to ask him, do you have anything to say? Because Paul always had something to say. Verse 16, then Paul stood up and beckoning with his hand said, Men of Israel, and ye that fear God, give audience. The God of this people of Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt and with an high arm brought him out of it. And about the time of forty years suffered he their manners in the wilderness. And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he divided their land to them by lot. And after that he gave unto them judges about the space of four hundred and fifty years until Samuel the prophet. And afterward they desired a king. And God gave unto them Saul, the son of Sis a man of the tribe of Benjamin, by the space of forty years. And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony, and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart. That's the focus of the message today. I want you to remember that. A man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Of this man's seed hath God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for the instruction we receive, the encouragement we find. And we just ask, Lord, that your word would dwell in our hearts and minds this morning as we study this passage of Scripture and as we discuss this this great heart of King David. We ask you to bless our time together now. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Notice Paul's description of David. He writes, He raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony, and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. A man after mine own heart. That's an interesting thought. David was a a man on whom the heart of God was set. He was a man who had an interest 
in God. He was exceeding grateful to God. And he was acceptable in his sight. God took great delight and pleasure in David. And in the general course of his life. And in his principles, aims, and designs. He, David, was as God would have him to be. Now, I'm not trying to exalt David above merit today, for uh, we all know that he was far from perfect. We know that David committed adultery. We know that he committed murder. We know that the scripture says he was a bloody man of war. However, God testified that David had a heart for him. He had a heart for God. You know, the Bible tells us that a man's treasure will be, or a man's heart, I'm sorry, will be where his treasure is. And David, obviously, from God's testimony, his treasure was, was the Lord himself. And that's where his heart was. Now let me ask you this question this morning. What kind of heart do you have? Now what I'd like you to do for the next 30 minutes or so is not look at the person to your left, not look at the person to your right, not look at the person speaking to you, but look at your own heart. That part of you that only you know, only you and the Lord. You see, you and I never show our true self. We, hold, we always hide part of us. To a certain degree, we're all hypocrites. So I want, you to, I want you to think about, I want you to consider that part of you today that nobody else knows, just you and the Lord. What kind of heart do you have this morning? In order to answer that question, I think we have to consider the heart of David. Because David was a man that God said was after his own heart. So obviously David's heart was right with God. And if you and I will have a heart that's also right with God, we will have to, we will have, to have this kind of heart. So let's talk about this for a while. In my studies of King David's life, I find three very distinct qualities in the life of David. Number one, David... His heart was a heart of courage. I'd like for you to take your Bibles with me and turn to 1 Samuel chapter number 17. Now you'll probably get there before me. So go ahead and when you get there just hang on. I've developed a very bad shaking lately. And it's hard for me to get through small pages like this. So bear with me. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Hey I'm there. And we'll begin at verse number 42. We read here, And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. For he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. Now this term ruddy uh, implies that David was kind of puny. He wasn't. He wasn't huge and muscular and daunting. Yeah, he was about like Tabor. Oh, he's not here. Oh, I wasted an insult. So, so, so let's let's 
Get a picture of David. David was just a young, he was a teenager and he, he was small and he wasn't, he wasn't huge and, and he, he had a fair countenance. It means he had little rosy cheeks. Verse 43, And the Philistines said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves or, or sticks? See, the only thing David had was his staff in his hand, his shepherd's staff. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee. And take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses uh, I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. He didn't run away from him, he ran after him. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Now let us put this in perspective here. Goliath is a man nine feet, nine inches tall. How many of you have ever been to a gymnasium and look at a basketball ring? That's ten feet. So David was only three inches, I mean Goliath was only three inches shorter than an than a, a, a NBA basketball hoop. That's pretty tall. That's way tall. All the men of Israel, including King Saul, by the way, who was the anointed leader of God, were hiding behind rocks or in their tents. They were afraid to face Goliath. Only David, out of the entire nation of Israel, only David had the courage to face Goliath, the giant. And we know that he was just a youth. That he'd never been to war, never been to battle. But he possessed great courage in his heart. Because he knew who he was. He was a child of God. He was in the hands of the Lord. And the Lord would, would, would protect him according to his will. Now, David had courage because David had no real way of knowing that he wasn't going to be killed by Goliath. Yet, he faced him. Now, what about, what about you and me today? Do we possess a heart of courage? Do you have, today, do you have the courage to live for God? When decisions must be made in your life, and you know what's right, but you are afraid to, to, to follow the right path. We fail in courage, don't we? We're afraid of the world. 
We're afraid of the ridicule of the world. We're, we're afraid of the shunning of the world. We don't, have, we don't have any courage. David is delivering food to his brothers on the battlefront. And he's, as he's delivering the food, Goliath comes out and begins to defy God. I could see David now standing up on a rock probably looking down there at Goliath saying, Who is that big mouth? I'm going to shut him up. David had courage. It takes courage in your heart to live for God. The easy path is just to, is just to adapt to the world. It's just to blend in. It's just to hide over there and, and not make yourself seen or known. You men, in your workplaces, are you known as a Christian? Or, or, or do people not even know that you're a child of God? You, do you bring your Bible to work? So at lunchtime, you can sit there and, and, and read your Bible. You know what reading your Bible at lunch can do? I was sitting in my office one day, and I had my door open, and I usually closed my door, but for some reason that day I left my door open, and I was reading my Bible at my desk, and a man walked by in the hallway and glanced in and looked at me. And then he came back, and he walked in, and he shut the door, and he sat down, and he said, Is that a Bible? I said, Yes, that's a Bible. And we began talking. And about three weeks later, that man was being baptized in our local church. And he still, to this day, as a matter of fact, is a bus captain at Central Baptist Church in Patterson, Louisiana. Just reading your Bible can be, make a big impact. David had a heart of courage. Now, courage requires confidence. In 1 Samuel seventeen thirty six. David states, thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David was explaining to King Saul, he said, I was tending my father's sheep, and one day, one day a lion came out of the, of the woods and tried to devour one of the sheep, and I caught that lion by his, by his, by his hair on his head, and I killed him. He said, another time I was out tending my father's sheep and a bear came out of the woods. And I grabbed that bear and I killed him. And he said, this big mouth over there is no better than the bear or the lion. God is going to avenge his name. He had courage. Paul had, Paul had confidence in, in the Lord. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, Paul states, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. This confidence led to his great courage, where in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, he states, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. You'll never have courage without confidence. And you'll never have confidence without trust, because confidence begins with trust. In 1 Samuel 17, 37, David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. David was confident in the Lord because God had proven his power to David in the past. You and I will never be confident in God's promises to us unless we prove him. I think about the three Hebrew children. They, 
they, they stood before the king and they said, This day, this day, God will deliver us out of your hand. Either by death or by, by humbling you, this day we will be delivered from your hand. And, and they were. You see, their, their opinion was, whether I die in the furnace, or whether God humble you and, and you come to the point of honoring God, one way or the other, we're, we're going to be rid of you today. You know, if you have the courage, listen to me now, as a Christian, if you have the courage to face the devil one time, he'll run from you. He'll flee from you. But we fail to trust God. Therefore, we don't have the confidence that we need to have the courage that we need to stand for and live for the Lord. I said David was confident in the Lord because God had proven his power to David in dealing with the lion and the bear. And God wants to prove himself to you as well. Matter of fact, God challenges you in scripture. In Malachi 3.10, we read, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that ye may, there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of God doesn't mind you testing him. He doesn't mind you challenging him and causing him to, to prove his, his faithfulness to you. Gideon did that. Right? Gideon went to the Lord and said, Okay, Lord, I'm going to lay my fleece out. Make, make the dew fall on the grass, but not on the fleece. Got up the next morning. Grass was full of dew. The fleece was dry. Hmm. Gideon thought, maybe that was a coincidence. Okay, Lord, this is what we're going to do tonight. I'm going to lay my fleece out, make the fleece wet, and keep the ground dry. And he did it. God doesn't mind you testing him. Now, do it humbly. But prove him. Trust, learn to trust him. And trust, by the way, is the result of trials. In 1 Samuel 17, we read, And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him, and smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he rose against me, I caught him by his beard, and smote him, and slew him. You see, trials will, give, will teach you to trust the Lord. When you face adversity, when you face challenges, when you face persecution, when you face heartache, God will prove himself to you and you will learn to trust him. And that trust will lead you to confidence. Confidence in God in all situations of life. And that confidence will give you courage. The courage to be the Christian you need to be. David would never have learned to trust God without these trials. Further, he would have never developed confidence in God. Without first learning to trust God. And he certainly never would have found the courage to live for God without confidence. So this morning, far too many of us lack the courage to live the Christian life as God would have us to live it. We cannot stand as David did with courage. We know we should tithe, but we doubt that God will really provide. We know that we should witness of Christ, but we're afraid of the response of those around us. We know that we should forsake this world. I mean forsake it and all of its, its pleasures and, and, and entrapments. But we're too weak to stand alone. We fear the criticism and the ridicule of this world. Yet when faced with this very thing, what was David's response? In 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 29, David said, What have I now done? 
Is there not a cause? When David determined to take a stand for the Lord, his brothers, all of the men of Israel, everyone, even King Saul, mocked him. And David said, what have I done? Isn't there a cause that someone should take a stand? What about you today? What about you men on, on, on your job site? You know what? When the, when the filthy jokes start, get up and walk away. And if someone asks you why, just tell them, I don't want to be a part of that. How about when you're sitting in your home and you're watching your television and some profanity comes over the air? How about just reach over and turn it off? And when your kids say, why you did that, daddy? Say, because I'm not going to listen to something like that. Have some courage. Take a stand. You allow, let me tell you, you allow your children to, 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 to hear that kind of stuff now? You're in for some heartache when they get older. You got one shot. You got one chance to turn your children outright for God. Don't waste it. David had a heart of courage, and and that's what we need today. We need a heart that has enough courage to say, I am a child of God, and I will not involve myself in these types of things. I won't do it. Take a stand. Have courage. So what if, if, if trouble comes because of your stand? God will provide you. He will protect you. He will take care of you. And if, and, if, and if it's God's will that we be with him in glory, then so be it. What's the worst thing? In, the worst thing anyone can do to me is kill me and send me to heaven early. It's the worst thing they can do to me. And I have no fear of what man can do. But I do fear what God will do. So take a stand. Have courage. Secondly, I must hurry. David's heart was a heart of commitment. It was a heart of commitment. I want you to turn with me. I shouldn't have closed my Bible. I want you to turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 24 this time. 1 Samuel chapter 24. And we'll begin reading at verse number 1. Pardon me for licking my finger. First Samuel chapter 24, beginning at verse number 1. And it came to pass when Saul was returned from following the Philistines, that it was told him, saying, Behold, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all Israel and went to seek David and his men upon the rocks of the wild goats. And by the way, he wasn't seeking him to say howdy. He was looking for him to kill him. And he came to the sheepcoats by the way where was a cave, and Saul went in to cover his feet, and David and his men remained in the sides of the cave. So there's a cave. David and his men saw Saul coming. They hid in the cave, and Saul is going to the local porta potty. And the men of David said unto him, Behold, the day of which the Lord said unto thee, Behold, I will deliver thine enemy into thine hand, that thou mayest do to him as it seem, shall seem good unto thee. Then David arose and cut off the skirt. Of Saul's robe privately, or in other words, he, he crept over and he, he cut a piece of the hem of his garment off. And it came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him because he had cut off Saul's skirt. And he said unto his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch forth mine hand against him, seeing he is anointed of the Lord. So David stayed his servants with these words and suffered them not to rise against Saul. But Saul rose up out of the cave and went on his way. 
David was committed. He was committed to the Lord. And he was committed to do that which was right. I mean, here's Saul. He's, he, he's a man who wants to kill David. And David had an opportunity. Yet he would not take it. You see, David loved the Lord. And Saul was the Lord's anointed king. And even though Saul sought to kill David, David would not disobey the Lord. He would not raise his hand against God's anointed man, regardless of the circumstances uh, surrounding him, regardless of the consequences to him. Over the past 33 years, I've heard Christians say they love the Lord, yet they live a life that denies that they do. Many say, I love the Lord, but they disobey God by forsaking the church. Many say, I love the Lord, but they live lifestyles that are just not fit for God's children. I love the Lord, but they look the other way when the offering plate goes by. David was being hunted by Saul and his entire army, and their intent was to capture and kill him. Yet when given the opportunity, David would do no harm to Saul because he was committed to God. Yet many today lack any level of commitment to God, to his church, to his people, to his service, seizing upon any opportunity that comes along to satisfy their own flesh. Now listen, this is one of those instances where you're probably going to get mad at me. But don't go around saying you love the Lord if you're not willing to commit to serving him. Don't go around saying you love the Lord if you're not willing to commit to him. Don't make excuses for... Sin. Don't make excuses for, for missing church. Commit to being here and then do it. This is epidemic in America. It's epidemic. On Wednesday nights, we're down to like 50 people. Now, I know Wednesday night church isn't in the Bible. But it's in my heart. Amen? David had a heart where if, he, if there was a Wednesday night service, he'd have been there. Don't make excuses for these things. Don't tell me why you can't afford to tithe. Just tithe and trust the Lord to provide for you as he promised he would. Is he a liar? Then prove him. Prove him. Don't live on the edge of sin. That song that Catherine sang, Near the Cross. Don't, don't live on the edge of the world looking like, like, like Lot did, pitching his tent towards Sodom. Gazing upon the beautiful pastures and saying, oh, look how lovely. Don't live on the edge of of the world. Get over as close to God as you can. There's safety at the cross. You say you love the Lord. Then prove it. I love my wife. And I do things to show her I love her. I, I, I prove to her that I love her. I don't just say I love her. What would it be like if I said, I love my wife, yet I never, never went home and spent time with her. I never, never talked to her. Never. She, she'd say, you don't love me. You love the Lord? And prove it. That's where the rubber meets the road. It's easy to say I love you. It's a lot harder to prove it. David had a heart of courage. His was a heart of commitment. But then thirdly and lastly, his was a heart of compassion. It's a heart of compassion. I want you to turn with me now to 2 Samuel chapter 9. 
Now remember, this is a man that God said. This isn't a man that, that Samuel said. This is a man that God said was after his own heart. So though Saul had, I mean, though David had, had issues, though he had problems in his heart, he loved the Lord and God is, is patient and forgiving and, and, and David uh, repented and God, God forgave him. But David had a character in his heart that he loved the Lord. 2 Samuel chapter 9. I'll get there sooner or later. And we begin at verse number 1. Now, let me set the timeline here. Saul is now dead. And Jonathan, whom, whom the Bible says David loved more than the love of a woman. Now, that's not, that's not getting to be any kind of lewd thing. It's just David's love for Jonathan was, was close-knit like a brother. And Saul and Jonathan are now dead. And David has inherited the throne. But David never wanted that circumstance. He loved Saul and he loved Jonathan. But they're now dead. And, and I want you to see the compassion of David. Look at verse number 1 of chapter 9. And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul, that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan had yet, hath yet a son, which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Maker, the son of Amiel, in Lodabar. Then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Maker, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, that's not an easy one to say, you couldn't say it three times if you tried. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness. For Jonathan, thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul, thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. Here we see perhaps the greatest act of kindness ever exhibited by mortal man. The tradition of man would be to slay every living member of the former king's family. But not so with David. When I studied this, my mind was drawn to Jesus. As he hung upon the cross on Calvary's mount. In Luke chapter 23 and 34 we read, Then said Jesus, Father forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. What compassion Jesus had. Father forgive them as they're, as they're killing him. Stephen, the deacon, was a man with a compassionate heart. Now, you deacons all listen to this, because if we ever get mad at you and take you out in the parking lot and stone you, you're going to want to remember this. Acts chapter 7, verses 59 and 60, and they, they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Compassion for one another is a biblical principle. 
In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32, we read, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Are you mad at someone today? Is there someone that did something to you and got you angry and upset? Well, let me ask you a question. How much did God forgive you? Because unless, unless they wronged you more than you wronged God, you have no business harboring any bitterness or any grudges. Think about all that God has forgiven you. And then ask yourself, should I hold a grudge against any man? Compassion is love and practice. And this ability to love proceeds from the heart and testifies of our maturity as believers. In John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, we read, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Now let me try to apply all of this to you and me this morning. This world is filled with Christians who do not have a heart for God. They are busy going to and fro, seeking to satisfy their own desires. They are like King Saul. They are selfish. They are proud. They are rebellious. And just like Saul, they will end up bitter and defeated, entangled and slain by the very sins of our own life. Oh yes, Saul, let me, listen to me. Saul was killed by his own sin. God commanded him to go to Amalek and utterly destroy every man and every woman. And he didn't obey God. And do you know who killed Saul? Anybody know? An Amalekite. A son of Amalek shot an arrow into the air and it pierced the armor of Saul and killed him. Saul died because of his own sin. This morning, let us awaken from sleep. And let us renew our love for the Lord. Awaken this morning and live for God with courage. Doing those things that are true and right. Not fearful of the consequences from the world or the powers of the world. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Awaken this morning and live for God with commitment. Determining to put nothing in or no one before God. Because he alone is worthy of our life. He alone is worthy of all honor and all praise. Awaken this morning and live for God with compassion. Esteeming others better than yourself. Living with kindness, forgiveness, and love for all men. Knowing that we love him because he first loved us. How's your heart today? By the way, I'm not standing up here trying to say my heart is perfect. I needed all of this myself. That's one of the beauties of being able to preach is you can, you can use yourself to glean your life's messages. Because we all need this. Is your heart right with God today? Is there anything between you and the Lord that needs to be put away? Well, let me warn you. Not too many steps outside that door, the devil is going to try to catch away everything you heard this morning. 
He's going to try to get you to forget about all of this. He's going to try to get you mad at me. He's, who does he think he is? Who does he think he is telling me how to live my life? You got, you, you got a chance here. We have opportunities here to get right with God. But we better grasp them. And we better yield to the Holy Spirit. And we better take care of business right away. Don't, don't go out there without having, without having confessed to the Lord. You don't have to go through a big ceremony to do that. You can do that right in your pew. You can sit right where you are and say, Father, forgive me. Holy Spirit, strengthen me. Help me to walk and live for you. Let's pray. Father, you are so deserving of our love. Lord, there's nothing that we possess that we shouldn't give to you. Your love for us is endless. Your faithfulness to us is boundless. I just think for a moment about what could, what could be done in a place like this if God's people would just surrender to him. and just If we would learn to, to have a heart of courage and live with courage, if we would learn to make a commitment to you and to the church and, and, and to just labor to see that commitment carried out, if we could have compassion for one another to, to stop quibbling over silly little things and, and, and remove the bitterness in our heart and love one another as you commanded us to do. So much could be done, Father. Our children would, 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 would grow up in homes filled with love and filled with faith and filled with courage. Father, I ask that you would help me to, to live that kind of life, that you would strengthen me, that you would give me wisdom. And I pray the same for everyone here. We, are, we, we desire this, Lord, but we're weak and we need your strength. So bless us, we pray. Holy Spirit, have your way with us today, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Roanoke Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Roanoke Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.